2: Yo! Welcome into the House of L podcast. I'm Lawrence. Thank you so much for hanging out inside of the episode. I know that you've already looked at this episode and how long it is, and you're like, man, I really hope Lawrence ain't out here monologuing at the beginning of this episode. I'm going to get to the meat of this episode fairly quickly because I think that it's worth listening to all the way through or you know, maybe you need a couple of car trips or runs to get through both, but I feel like it's compelling, it's it's because of who's on the podcast. And that's Layla Rahimi. Layla's gonna be doing a couple more pods. Like I think she's she's already in the House of L family, but I want her to be I want her to step in front instead of just doing podcasts with me. I want her to kind of do her own stuff because I think that she's really interesting and talented. So we're going to see if the price is right, Bob Barker, and get her to do a couple of podcasts. But the first one that we wanted to do was catch you up because Layla and I did this. We've done two of these episodes already. One was dealing with being laid off like in the moment, or when we were ready to talk about it at NBC a couple of years ago. And then, this was all of her idea, by the way. She she said that we should do an update. Like, we should talk about what it feels like a year later after the layoffs. And so there's an episode, if you go back, about a year and uh, two months ago. So if you go back to August of 22, you'll be able to hear the other episode that we did where we were updating on where our careers were going. If you're new to the podcast, if you're new to House of elp you're like, Lawrence, what are you talking about? I've seen you and Layla on NBC and NBC Sports Chicago. You have. But during the pandemic, we got laid off. And we both were in these really interesting places. At the time, and I told the story on the previous pod, At the time, NBC Sports Chicago was planning a sports show that was basically the Chicago version of PTI. It was going to be me and David Kaplan, and we were very much looking forward to it. So we were in the beginning stages. like I had signed a contract, and we were in the beginning stages of trying to put that together. And then the pandemic happened, and every media company around the world – had to figure out where to cut costs and it wasn't like we could really launch the new show because we were, weren't were really allowed to be in the studio with people. People were working remotely. It made all the sense in the world. It hurt, but that's what happened. Layla was also laid off. So it was, we were, I always say that she and I shared a lifeboat together. Like, who, <laughs> who, we hit an iceberg, we jumped in a lifeboat, and we made it to shore with our careers. And I'm a big proponent of, if you leave okay, you can always go back. And luckily, the people over at NBC Sports Chicago were like, we can find a role for you. Now, initially, that role was to just kind of hold things down for the last couple of weeks of the football season because David Kaplan took early retirement from NBC. They were offering a bunch of them. That's one of the things that companies do to try and save money. They can write it off as a loss. And so they were like, can you do the football after show? And then people were like, oh, so you're back. And I was like, don't. That's not necessarily the case. It was just kind of a, hey, we know that you don't have to do any on-ramping. You could walk right in in the middle of this season and do the show. So I did the show, and now I'm doing Football Night in Chicago and filling in wherever I can. It seems to work out well for them, and it seems to work out well for me. Layla, on the other hand, is taking a huge step forward, being named the the number one sports anchor NBC5 while she's doing sideline stuff for the Bulls. She's filling in on Sox pre and post, and she's – all over the place at Channel Five itself, but she she thinks that it's a good idea to kind of update people on what it is that that we're doing since that since House of L started off as a podcast about how people in the media do what they do. So we had done the year review, and now it's been that's why this episode is called two years and two months because it's us talking about it two years and two months. After the dust had settled. And kind of where we're at. We talk about that. There's some other stuff. It's probably a little bit more intimate than I was planning on making this episode. As it pertains to my own career. And kind of where I'm at right now. But Layla is the star of this episode. And listening to her talk about what TV is like. What she's been doing. What she still wants to do. In this industry and some of the pitfalls of what it's like to be her with all of the responsibilities on television, dealing with what it's like to try and be and look perfect on TV, to still have a platform on radio that is, she's still, you know, one of a few When it comes to women in sports radio. now the beautiful thing is that that, that's starting to grow. But she's one of the reasons, in my opinion, that it is starting to grow. Because you see success. The success success that Bernstein and Rahimi had is connected to the success that Bernstein and Holmes is having. Because she kind of set a template. like The type of numbers that they were doing is what Dan and I aspire to do. And so far, we've measured up pretty well. From that standpoint, but hearing her point of view of what it's like to be heard doing all of these things and what that's meant for her, her personal life, I think is terrific. So this is us. This is us getting into a lot of different things and catching you up two years and two months. What's it like for us now? Take a listen. Why are we doing a podcast again?
3: We hadn't done one in a long time.
2: Okay, so the we had done one where we were reflecting on the year since each of us got laid off from NBC Sports Chicago
3: and that was in 2021
2: since then you're now the lead sports anchor at NBC 5 while still doing stuff for NBC Sports Chicago and I still do stuff occasionally for NBC Sports Chicago yes that's good how you been
3: in the past two years, since that episode aired, Mm-hmm. so we're two now, months, we're now at three years and two months. No,
2: two years and two months.
3: Two years and two months since that episode aired. Three years and two months since our yeah yeah our job. That's true. So wow. well, how well I went to China. I did the Olympics. <laughs> I've uh, I've been a co-anchor on two marathon coverages for NBC. So that was pretty neat, the Bank of America Chicago Marathon.
2: Do you mind if I ask you about the marathon? Not at all. Because I haven't had a chance to like debrief you on the marathon.
3: People ran fast, Lawrence. Back that, to you.
2: Okay. But <laughs> what what's that? I've never had a chance to work on the marathon broadcast. No one's ever asked me. I've never asked. What's it like? Because it feels like it's a... I wouldn't know how to handle my emotions of it because... It's inverse to what we usually get. Like, here's what I mean. With a baseball game or a football game or a basketball game, yeah, we're excited for the beginning of the game, but the end of the game is kind of where our focus is. With the marathon, you have to do it twice. It's the beginning of the race. And then at the end, and then this past year, you guys saw something spectacular. So can you walk me through, like, what, preparation is like for
3: that well thankfully i had a couple of prep days and i never get a couple of prep days in life so for me to have i think it was three this year from nbc from my boss john Shipman. i was thrilled because that's that's uh it's what you deserve for doing a job like that and it's pretty great because i was able to watch um the Boston Marathon coverage, and then there's always, like, fun podcasts I listen to and just YouTube videos that I watch because people love to talk about running because it's it's a commonly held thing, but none of us are doing it at that level. And, uh, you know, so for me, it was uh, it was cool because I got to build off of what we had the year before, which was a, a great race in and of itself. I think at that point we were uh, – it was, like, 12 or 16 or 8, something – Seconds off of the world record for the women's winner last year, Ruth Chavangadich, who finished second, I think, this year. And uh, she's a she's an outstanding race runner. She's a, her marathon times at Chicago are always super high. And then um, I also was focused on the wheelchair race as well. So that breaks up the end, if you will, because wheelchair comes through faster than anybody else. And for them, this year it was a tune-up for the New York Marathon, which was mm. their qualifier for Paris Olympics. So that became really interesting to see how they did it. But yeah, it's the uh, it's the knowledge base you have to start the race, telling people who to look for the international field, the Americans, of course, and then seeing what happens in the splits that they have. You you look at like five k, ten k. 20, 25, 35, et cetera. And then also paying attention to the sub splits. So like five to 10, 10 to 15, et cetera. And that's where you really see people either start out too quick or make progress or be able to sustain something amazing. Uh, like we saw with Calvin Kiptum and Marion Brooks and I were talking about it this year. And she was like, I think we're going to have a world record. Marion was correct. She's been doing this a while. So she knew what to look for. And, She was spot on, but we had an amazing race at every level. Sifan Hassan is somebody who I think is, I don't know how to put her into words, when you run an international track competition at the elite levels of Olympics and World Championships, the 800, the 1500, and marathons. What? So you're talking about all of these things during the race. And keeping an eye on people. And that's how you sustain that energy, I think, until the end.
2: How much do you enjoy doing, for lack of a better term, international sports? The marathon's international. You were at the Olympics. How different is that from a preparation standpoint that it is for the, the stuff that we do on the show when you're on the show?
3: Uh, I think it's it's different in that. It's kind of like uh, the difference between a baseball season where your prep is the game that you're watching that day and the Olympics where they train four years for this and they have benchmarks leading up to that. And it's the same with a yearly event like that. Uh, Hockey is a little different. You know, obviously, bigger ice sheet in the Olympics. You can compare it to the NHL in a bunch of different ways. And there are familiar players, both on the men's side and then on the women's side, of course, from the teams that have won medals for north america canada and usa but uh there is it's just a lot of prep work leading up and then having to immerse yourself into that because you can't get that information readily available all the time every day it's, it's like something you have to purposefully spend some time in your day doing for a certain amount of time each day and then naturally i cram you know when i have the chance like all right this is my prep day for this go and then I read as much as I can, but the knowledge base builds on itself, you know, just like anything else,
2: so you've had these incredible opportunities over the last two years and two months like once you've gotten kind of back into things, how's it felt
3: it's It's good it's um it's uh, challenging in ways that I didn't think about. there's a like, people put you on a level, you know, and I did the same thing with the people who I saw every night at 5, 6, and 10 in sports growing up. Like, for example, Dale Hansen famously gave right. SMU the death penalty, even though it wasn't really him. It was their actions leading to the death penalty, and he uncovered it and got a Murrow because of it. And he was larger than life to people. And I don't think that the modern – Sportscaster is like that in this era of the world news isn't the gatekeeper like i'm not the only one giving you your sports information every day but it's still a job where you can communicate in such an efficient manner and be able to give people what they need sports wise and ask questions and uh give your opinion in a place where The newscast is not for that. The newscast is news. They remain impartial, but in sports, you can talk about some of that stuff. So we do. And it's nice to have a 30-minute show again in Sports Sunday. That's something that I feel very happy about doing. And then to be able to also host White Sox pre- and post-game from time to time, cover all the sports, which is what you get to do at, at NBC5, and then also sideline report for Bulls like I did yesterday. And then, you know, including things like the marathon and the Olympics and stuff that NBC sets you up for, to me, those are a very big deal. And covering NASCAR this year and being able to be one of the, the main people doing that, like interviewing Dale Earnhardt Jr. multiple times this year to talk about a street race in Chicago, that's an NBC thing. And so I'm very thankful that I get to do those things because of the umbrella of the peacock.
2: What's something that you weren't expecting when named the lead sports anchor of a, of a major heritage television station.
3: Like there are certain pieces of your personality that, uh, you know, certain, certain mediums and certain places you move into and, and forms you move into require certain things of you. Like, I always think it's never as much about me as it is about, what I can bring to help truthfully authenticate this space. Like, I'm not going to be Radio Layla on NBC5 in three minutes. Like, I'll get my barbs in here and there, but that's not what that calls for. Like, Stefan and Allison are the show. I'm there to help the show. So it's a little different in that manner. And I like that. I like being different things. I like having some range. But it's also uh, just how people see you when you're just yourself, you know? Like, I didn't change. The job I had changed.
2: Are you hearing from a different group of people?
3: Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, you know, the the baby boomer audience more than it is, you know, our audience, for example, on the score, which I think skews a little younger for A, sports radio, and B, just... Uh, in general, and then NBC Sports is is the diehard sports fan, so, like, that's a totally different audience. So I feel like I'm working with three different audiences. Yeah,
2: you are, and and I've noticed that. Like, I, I like when – I try to watch as much as possible because I, I, you're, you're my friend, and I want to support what you do. I also think you're really good at what you do. So I always look for tips and stuff, but
3: – Oh, thanks.
2: I always like when – Allison will bring you back in and she clearly wants to kind of like further the conversation, even if that means you're just going to give her 15 seconds Mm -hmm. of information. I think that it speaks to you as the authority, like you being respected by your peers as the authority on this. You're the authority on sports. So if Stefan and Allison are like, wait, why isn't Justin Fields playing again? Like, I think it really helps to create that bond with the audience. And I think you're good at accepting that and understanding how to get in and get out without running up the amount of time that you'll have to to get the
3: answer off. Right, because in that moment, you typically only have five, six seconds. But also, it's, it's explaining to somebody who's watching the news, why should they give their time to that? Like, sports radio listeners, they're giving their time to that no matter what. That's why they're there. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with the dedicated game audience, at least of that particular team watching Bulls, white Sox, Blackhawks, whatever. so yeah it's it's saying to the audience who watches the local news, which is a much different audience, why you should care about this
2: when you're on with us and we get to the three of us get to do a show, does that feel? I mean, I, I don't know I probably should have told you I was going to ask you a question like this, but do you still get joy from it?
3: Yeah, because it's a creative outlet, okay. I can't get all my sports thoughts off in three minutes,
2: of course not.
3: I like having the ability to do so. I like calling highlights. I like uh, picking out the most important sound bites and figuring out the best way to show stuff in that window. But there's some things that like just aren't for that audience. That's not the space for it, so then we suss it out here,
2: right we we have more time to do. You know where I've been at lately? like I've been thinking about it's I guess it's a little bit scary, and I'm a lot older than you, but I'm thinking about like what the end of this looks like. Mhm and I had a conversation and it struck me as weird. I said this to someone because we were talking about the industry and where the industry is at right now. And I said that I don't know if I've ever felt more comfortable as a radio personality than right now.
3: You mean from a job security standpoint? Yes. Which is surprising.
2: It's shocking.
3: And that's part of the reason I never fully got into the industry to begin with, was I didn't like how unstable it was.
2: I still think it's very unstable, but for the first time in a really long time, I, I feel like... I think that sports talk or personality talk radio kind of went through its bloodletting. Right. You know, that, that some of this stuff was figured out over the last 10 years or so, and it's still consolidating, and I'm aware of that. I'm not trying to act like I'm not.
3: The podcast space, I think, will be the place where they see the biggest, like, change from in volume.
2: Yeah, but but I'm not as scared about where... I'm not as scared about the future of the score. I I don't know what big box media companies themselves will end up doing, but I, I feel like there's now an established currency that we have with the listener that the station has. And I don't mean just the score. I mean, WIP, like, Sports radio in general. Local
3: sports radio. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah National sports radio. It's funny. Is I always thought that that was something that I wanted until I got it, and then I was like, I don't like this at all. I maybe it was because of the time. I think if it had been a different time, that's a time, rough slot, time to work. Yeah, yeah. Like waking up at three o'clock on a Sunday morning to do a, a show that starts at five is not really ideal, but. I I don't know, like there's something happened like over the last couple of years where now I feel like local sports radio is a little bit more of a stable place than it was. Am I off
3: on that? No, I see where you're coming from. I don't know if stable is the right word. Maybe because I'm at the
2: end that you know what I mean? It's not
3: as volatile.
2: That's the right word.
3: But you're also not going to get the upside of that curve either. Like oh, we're I, not going to get the hey, this new sports station launched and they want all these on-air personalities. Like that's that doesn't seem to be happening.
2: Look, I I definitely missed that boat. I mean, I, I know I can tell you exactly when that ended in Chicago. And that ended in 2009.
3: Right. It was. It was. Uh, I didn't have enough experience in the industry at that point, and enough of a resume to catch the upside. Man, you know, I I
2: think about it, and reportedly, Mike North turned down a three-year deal that would have been worth, I think, two point seven million dollars in two thousand nine.
3: Can you imagine?
2: That's what I'm saying. Like that's when I, and then that was that was kind of the end. You know, there I grew up in an era where the radio people. The really, like the big names, like the Steve Dolls, the Rokans they were making a million dollars or close to a million dollars a year doing radio. And, and I remember when North reportedly turned that down that I was like, oh, wow, there must be something great out there if he's willing to do that. And it was probably a miscalculation on his part. And then you saw for a while, Eric was the only person in Chicago radio that was making a million dollars a year. Eric? From Eric and Kathy. Oh, okay. And then that was it. Like that was it. Rocon left the business. Steve Dahl went to podcasting.
3: Kathy couldn't get paid as much as Eric.
2: Well, that's that's one of the biggest problems.
3: Let me ask that question. It wasn't. Oh, uh...
2: it, it wasn't the only problem, but it was one of the oh. biggest problems. And so I knew that, like the big money thing in sports radio, I knew I wasn't going to have. I remember when I was a producer. I kept thinking, like there was a dollar amount in my head. It's like if I could just make that, I would be completely happy. And then I got to it, and I was like, "I'm, I'm actually pretty happy, but I wonder if there's more. And it, it I think it's fascinating because of the equation of what your salary is to how good you think you are. Like trying to balance that and like compartmentalize that in your head is really rough.
3: Because we live in a capitalist society.
0: Mm -hmm.
3: Corporations run everything. And when I say everything, I mean everything. Mm -hmm. And what they don't run, billionaires do. So, yes, you've been boiled down to a dollar amount your entire life. It's true. We all have. I'm not saying it's just you. But, yeah, to try to separate that. I'll never forget reading a a comment that somebody made, and it was talking about, (laughs) it was like, why do Americans always have to remind each other that they're human? And I'm like, cause we're constantly bombarded with being told that we're everything but, yeah, it was a good question,
2: yeah i've been I've been thinking about all of it a lot. Like I've been thinking about what the I've been trying to figure out, I guess probably for the last ten years, like how long do I want to do sports radio? And I've kind of refound a love for it that I didn't have maybe six years ago. And the creativity that it allows, which is why, like, I've actually done, like, extra shows. And I'm still going to be doing, like, some extra shows from Bulls games and stuff because it gives me an opportunity to create. And in this space, it's a different type of creativity. And you know me. Like, I'm always looking for some sort of creative outlet, whether it's doing television but trying to do something different or doing the comic book, for example, or the podcast or what we're doing right now. And I've kind of fallen back in love with sports radio to a certain extent. And now it's like, do I want to keep doing this? Because there were people that were on the air that was like, you're doing this. You've been doing this too long. And like people that I grew up like loving and listening to and like you should have bowed out gracefully. but But you can't.
3: That generation, they're not programmed that way.
2: I don't think I am either.
3: But it's also that generation. And I'm not saying that to be mean to that generation. I'm just saying, like, that's how they are. Their par- And they saw their parents go through a depression. Absolutely. So I think that's why they are how they are. But, you know, traumatic responses tend to cause other traumas to happen down the line. And I am speaking as a whole here from a sociological standpoint.
2: Oh, my God. I don't know. I just think about that sort of thing. I was having a conversation with uh, Ben Bradley. We've known each other. My God. Ben and I have known each other now 35 years since we were kids. And I was talking about the concept of, like, a soft retirement. And he was like, what's that? And I said, well, maybe I'm not doing radio. Maybe I'm teaching. But I'm not putting myself through the grind. And he's like, you should just Keep doing this until you've got all the money. I was like, that's never going to happen.
3: Ride the wave until it crashes. Yeah,
2: I i get that. I get that. But th- that's one of my problems is that there is some wanderlust to me w- when it comes to the career.
3: Yeah, you can have that. But for me, I'm like, nah, I've moved enough.
2: <laughs> yeah, you've had enough. Of <laughs> I'm that like, nonsense. I'm good.
3: I've moved enough.
2: You feel like you found home here? Yeah. That's wonderful.
3: I felt like that for a long time, though.
2: Even after your first Bears Monday earlier this week?
3: Yes, my first Bears Monday. (laughs) But wait, so when Ben Bradley was giving you this info, because a lot of people would think that he's at the top of his career.
2: But it's different because I don't have kids.
3: Right. I mean, that's the... That's... I joke that, like, I've been soft retired forever because I'm not married and I don't
2: have kids. That's the difference. I don't have kids and he's got, you know, three boys and they're... Two are in high school, one's in uh, junior high, so he's already like, I got to pay for college, so I'm, I'm in this thing at least for the next decade or so. Um, so it, I do have some privilege there that I don't have that right now as a thing that I have to worry about.
3: Yeah, but it also is. I mean,
2: that could change.
3: Yeah, yeah, it could.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And it's not. I don't. I don't enjoy being single necessarily. It's just we play the hands we're dealt. It's true. And like I'm playing mine. I think you're playing it well trying but i mean you know it's just what am i going to do wait around for a man to pay my rent no thank you no that's not how you're built that's not how it yeah no that is not how i am built at all that's not how i've ever been built even when i was married i was pretty adamant about making sure that i was a partner which was part of the problem but uh no i mean it's just we play the hands we're dealt and this is what i've been dealt
2: i know that we talked a little bit about this before How are you handling, there's going to be a lot of people, it's a lot of people who don't like you just because. Yeah. How do you handle that? Because it's different for you than it is even for me. I think that there are some similarities because we're minorities, but because I'm male, it's a very, it's a little, at least for me, looking for you from the outside, it's a little less scary for me. And I'm I'm getting, on the radio side, like I'm getting it every day. So I'm kind of a little numb to some of the stuff that happens via the text line or whatever. What's it like for you?
3: I mean, I get it every day. And it, I hate it. Like, I, I don't know. Like, first of all, people think about me more than I think about me. <laughs> and I'm like, why?
2: That's a great line.
3: Please tell me that that's yours. I mean, I've said it. I'm like, that guy talks about my life more than I do. Because there are people who do. Like, I'm just trying to wake up and do show prep and stuff. What the hell are y'all doing where you have this amount of time to conjure up what your opinion is of what you think I'm doing or saying or thinking? Like, what is that?
2: Meanwhile, you were just on your way to the Amazon store just to get a sandwich.
3: Right. Like, I'm like, do I have enough time to get food today Get the shower, work out, put my makeup on, which takes time. You know, get enough sleep. Like, not to mention just things that come up in your life, health-wise or or family-wise or whatever. And, like, you know, the, the, the things that people have said about me to people I know, the things that people, like, I'm just like, where are you getting this from? And then the hate, the resentment so much resentment like I and that's part of the reason I haven't really tried to date as much I just cannot I can't spend my free time like meeting new people in that space like trying to date when I'm dealing with like constant resentment from men like I need a break and I have a very good friend who's a therapist and she is a relationship expert and she's published author, one of the best in her field. And she told me, men look at things from a one-up, one-down position. And I'm like, what does that even mean? And she's like, they either see people as one-up above them or below them. And I'm like, well, that's self-centered and egotistical and seems exhausting. Like, why can't you just appreciate that person for who they are or whatever? And she's like, so they're. she said a lot of like racism and sexism is rooted in that. So she's like, because they see you as as, you know, especially if they are like racist against Middle Eastern people or whatever. They see you as that and they see you as a woman who shouldn't have this job, then they're going to be mad at you about it. And like one of the biggest things I learned, I have a friend, another friend doing a whole research paper for their doctoral degree. On the harassment that women journalists have faced. And it's like my life and yelling at me about mine is not going to make you feel any better about the failure of yours. So I think that that's been really difficult is I'm like, why do you hate me so much? I don't even know you.
2: How much does it bother you?
3: The thing that bothers me is because our jobs are so based on getting things correct is how many people say that I said things that I never said so they can feel better about themselves. What is that? Somebody explain to me what that is. I would love to
2: know. I, I think that, that you brought up some of the reasons why it happens specifically to you. If I can generalize it, I would offer this. We have great jobs. And I'm, I'm speaking specifically of us doing the radio show. We have great jobs. And they're fun. And a lot of people think that they can do them. And some can, and I'm I'm glad that some people have taken the opportunity to you know, build your podcast or what you're doing on social media, that sort of thing. And then there are those people who are like, you guys don't know what you're talking about. And they, in some cases, they might be right. They think that the jobs that we have mean that we're sports experts. And what a lot of people... Associate with sports expertise is trivia. It's not what we do.
3: Yeah, the internet does that for you. Correct. There was a place and a time where that was a lot of what sports radio was. And I can name a few people in the market, not this market, but other markets who are like that, where they were the internet before the internet.
2: Right. But we we've evolved past that and it's a combination of things that's going on. I always, I'm a bit of a hippie when it comes to it, but I've always looked at it as an art form. There's a lot happening. It's, yes, we are talking about the news of the day, so there's a journalistic aspect of it. And there's all the stuff that you do and I do to make sure that we're giving as as much of an honest interpretation of facts and statistics as possible. Then there's the fun aspect of it. Trying to make that part of it fun for the people who listen and watch on, on on Twitch.
3: And that's the style that I came up through with the ticket in Dallas. That and, was the style.
2: And then there's the broadcast aspect of it. What we're doing now on the podcast is harder to do inside of a clock. And we have to adhere. We don't do the best job of it. but We do a terrible job. We have to adhere to the clock. Which means some conversations are going to be cut short.
3: Or we just feel like we got to step all over each other, not necessarily like that, but we try to get our thoughts in before we got to go. Correct.
2: So you have to put all of that stuff together before you say that you can come and do this job. You have to, to, to put all of that stuff together and more.
3: And you have to be able to recall it exactly when you need to. But I'm not stopping anybody from creating their own podcast. It's never been easier. Go right agree. ahead.
2: I agree, but, but I'm for, not
3: going to be the insecure person who goes and attacks you about it. Do you?
2: I want people to do them, but I, I do to a degree understand that people will see us and go, "Well, why? Why do they deserve that role?" And I don't. I don't feel it's productive to every segment where you say that I then have to lay out my resume on why I'm in this particular role that I'm in.
3: Oh, I do love it, though, when people claim to be massive White Sox fans, yet had no idea that I hosted pre- and (laughs) post-game for years on NBC Sports Chicago.
2: That always cracks me up.
3: And, like, they they always seem to watch local news, and they'll tell you how big of a Sox fan they are, and I'm like, Right. Cool. (laughs) I believe you.
2: I was there doing all of those games?
3: Like, I, you clearly are a huge White Sox fan. Or, like, same when it comes to just people, you know, in, in either space. Well, where'd she come from? I've been working at NBC Sports Chicago for the last five years doing many of their shows. Mm-hmm. Multiple a day, actually. And not just reporting where, you know, maybe you miss me in five-minute spurts, but, like, 30, 40-minute shows at a time. Mm-hmm.
2: On all fronts. So how big of a sports fan are
3: you? You watch the Bears. That's what you do. And that's okay. It is, but just don't come at me with, you're such a huge fan that you think that I just came up out of nowhere.
2: How hard is it? Because I know it's hard. (laughs) It's difficult for me. How hard is it for you to find the people, the silent majority that do appreciate what you do, but they aren't going to wave pom-poms to let you know. Like I, That's that's hard for me. Like, I'm trying to do a better job of whether it's on the text lines or Twitter or Instagram where there are people who genuinely want to engage and they're they're not doing sea lion bullshit. They actually want to talk, to get your opinion on it, and then you give them your opinion. And they're like, oh, okay, thanks, cool. Mm-hmm. Or even the people that disagree with you, but then get to the end of the disagreement and they're like, I didn't think of it that way. You might be right. But this is why I felt the way that I felt. I love that.
3: Yeah, that's I mean, that was all that was my life uh, in that space, I'd say before 2021. I mean, I got random haters here and there, but it wasn't to this extent.
2: Do you ever think about whether or not it's worth continuing?
3: Of course. Why wouldn't I?
2: What conclusions have you come to?
3: I'm tired of being punished for working.
2: Mm. Like, Mm.
3: that's a you problem. Mm. That's not a me problem.
2: As the kids say on Instagram, that was a bar.
3: I'm tired of being punished for my job. Whether it's by the man I dated or by my ex-husband or another man I dated, or by random Joe Schmo who doesn't like what I wear, how my voice sounds, or what I have to say, or he thinks I said something about a team that I didn't say, or called Dick Buckus Dave Buckus when I did no such thing. (laughs) Whatever lie you need to tell yourself about my existence is between you and what you tell yourself. Because I'm not your problem. And if I'm that much your problem, I'm not forcing you to watch or listen. So, why are you forcing you to do something you hate?
2: I don't understand that either. I've never understood that
3: because it's not about me. that's it, why
2: it's it's a free
3: medium I'm not i you want me to quit talk to my bosses.
2: It's like you can just go do something else
3: and if and if you want me to uh and you know if if you have that much of a problem, then let me let me be the first to tell you yelling at me will not make you feel better about yourself. There was a line in the morning show where uh, somebody's yelling at Jennifer Aniston's character, Alex Levy. Alex Levy. And there's, they're talking about her relationship on air with Steve Carell's character. And he's saying how much of a tease she is and saying some really derogatory stuff.
2: Oh, at the amusement park.
3: It, yeah, and... The billionaire character played by John Hamm is is standing next to her and he gets mad and he's like, how is it that a guy can say all those things to you? And she does what we all wish we could do at the time and just be calm. And she said, that person is telling me what they can't tell their significant other or their family. And I thought that that was real truth to power there.
2: I gotta tell you, this season of the morning show has been tremendous.
3: Oh, the other line where she said, So you think I'm not grateful enough?
2: Yeah, it's been that oh. it's been true. I've really enjoyed it. They uh, have
3: they have done some method studying of of the genre.
2: Yes, they have. They've done some really good work and some excellent writing.
3: And I know somebody who works on that show listens to our show. That's great. So you I'm a big fan of yours. Please show yourself at any given time.
2: Yes, we, we love the show, so we'd love to talk about it more. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com.
0: Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify?
2: I want to try to steer us back to something that we were talking about earlier when it comes to the way that you do your thing. I've asked you this multiple times, whether it's been us during a break on the radio show or us on this podcast. You keep knocking stuff off the list, so I have to keep asking the question. Is there anything else that you want to do? because yes, Olympics, you've done it. you've you've done marathons you've done sideline i got reporting. to be dale
3: dale was the dream you've done nascar now like, dale, you've done bowling I, dale hansen being dale hansen was the original dream job for me yeah and i'm doing that here which is still surreal i mean i was listen i loved my old job at mbc sports chicago i loved working at the score I say all this stuff, but I'm still talking about sports every day and making fart jokes for God's sake. <laughs> um, and I I enjoy working, you know, at NBC Five in that way. Like, it is crazy. Um, I don't know. I don't know.
2: Isn't it amazing? Like, you get to the place that you had dreamed about. It's so hard sometimes to stop and look around.
3: Well, but the the weird thing is, I didn't dream about this stuff. Like, I I grew up, I was married. I wanted to eventually move to Dallas so my husband and I could live together 24-7 and not just, like, four days a week. And I wanted to work at Channel 8, WFAA, the station where Dale Hansen worked. And, like, maybe I could get to be the next Dale, but they'd never have a woman main sports anchor. That's crazy. That's that's
2: crazy talk.
3: What am I doing? I got to get back to my 1,000 high kicks a day. (laughs) Like the Cowboy uh, Cheerleaders uh, at halftime. Uh, uh. I wish I were kidding, but that's true. It wasn't that condescending. I made those choices and I practiced my high kicks. Thank you. But um, I was like, okay. And then at some point I realized that that wasn't going to happen for me.
0: Mm.
3: So, you know, when I branched out moving from Houston to Philly, I adjusted the, the goal and got a lot of amazing opportunities because of it. Found a place where I felt like I more fit in. Than the places I had lived before in Philly, you know, felt like that suited my character a little bit, the way I see the world, um, you know, felt like I'd found a home there for sure. And then moved here and felt that same way after a couple of years for sure. And then got amazing opportunities and gotten put in position to succeed every time. So, I mean, to me, it's just let it cook, right? Like, develop the work-life balance I need, which is more work than it is life.
2: I, I, That right there is the thing that when we're presented with, oh, the next thing, you know, like like this continuum of what it is that you want in your career, I think that that's the final frontier. I think you've hit it. Like, you keep thinking, oh, I want to move up. Like, I want to move up in into my career. I want to do this. I want to. I think the the work life balance thing is that's the place where a lot of us, myself included, myself probably more than anybody.
3: Yeah, you're a terrible example. I, I got really, yeah. I got you, I got David Kaplan as my is my people that I look to yeah, for the examples. And I'm like, why am I like this?
2: We're bad examples.
3: And then I'm like, Oh, the two people I look up to in this business as far as career arc the most.
2: Yeah. We're bad examples of it.
3: Luke Canella's also building a side empire.
2: Yeah, right.
3: Like everybody who I really like admire, was, <laughs> they've all got like eight jobs. I'm try-
2: Layla. I'm. I kid you not. I actually am trying to stop some of it. But it usually I I take it as flattering when someone says, "Hey, we were thinking of you specifically." For this.
3: That's
2: it. And you go, huh. I'm working on a pilot that's not gonna even if it gets green lit is not gonna see the air until 2025.
3: Okay, so we have time to plan before then how you're gonna fit it into the LWH media empire. I know, but the even... La <laughs> <laughs> The Lahomey. The Lahome. The Lahomey. There yeah. it is, the Lahomey.
2: Who knew? And, and and I felt great. Like, I did some work for it this past week. And I'm like, man, this thing, there's, I'm like, man, I hope it works. And then I'm like, but it means
3: more work. But do
0: I?
2: If, if it works.
3: Yo, dog, we heard you like jobs. So we put a job in your job. <laughs> in your job. And meanwhile, there's this thing.
2: Like, there's, <laughs> you know, there's.
3: It's like the time I stepped outside my mom's backyard and I'm like, Mom, you got a law of attraction problem. And I look outside and there's like some yellow cat I'd never seen before. Like two other cats just chilling in the back. And then I'm like, who are these random cats? You only have one.
2: Random cats.
3: Like you just got a law of attraction problem. That's your job. All right, well... (laughs)
2: I'm glad that we checked in with each other again. And wait we... a
3: second, no, I'm not done with this.
2: You're not done? No. Oh, I wanted to. I know you got stuff to do, and
3: I actually don't have much to do today. Okay, keep um, going. I'm sorry you you have stuff to do. No, I, I hit don't. The microphone. I ain't got nothing to do. Act two in the low homie empire. Question. Um, okay, so I feel like the last time we checked in on this, it was a year after losing what we thought were our dream jobs at the time Mm -hmm. and then how we had rebounded. (sighs) I'm going to offer this. Like, first of all, some parts of my life are never going to be the same. Yes. Like, I don't look the same. I don't feel the same. But also, I feel like people are just now starting to get back to normal.
2: I think that you're right. I, i I struggle with it every day, and it's so funny because when you said that, I was like, wait a minute. I guess it has been three years and a couple months since that happened, and it feels like 10 years ago and yesterday. Yeah. Right? It's it's like, both those things.
3: Like, even the Bulls opener for me, I'm like, oh, it's changed. Oh, it's changed process-wise, this and that. And I'm like, you know you see the numbers for the marathon for example and how many more runners ran at this last is year it 40,000 45 <sighs> so it's just i don't think any of us understood that
2: i think we're all in still in some sort of state of recovery and yet there's still all of this stuff on the outside that is bearing down on us yeah, from an economic standpoint from a social standpoint war and, and I was thinking about this I was listening to, to sports adjacent which is another fine House of L podcast by the way the
3: Lahomey Empire wait that means the <laughs> I, no that's Empire Empire you got Empire
2: inside of your empire
3: <laughs> actually that's perfect
2: <laughs> and they they were talking about Russ was talking about growing a beard, and he was saying that during the beginning of COVID, when he knew that nobody was going to see him, that he was out here trying to like grow his beard, and I remember the beginning of it, I remember that summer, I looked like Frederick Douglass. (laughs) (laughs) Like, my hair was all over the place, like I didn't care about... You know, keeping it short because I'm bald in the back, like none of that stuff. I just grew it out and it was wild. And my that was the first time that I had grown like a beard beard,
3: like the lovey beard. You had the lovey beard. i and and it was I was like, oh, wow.
2: And so when I grew it back a few months ago, I was like, I don't I like the way that it actually looked on television. I thought it looked good on TV. But I was like, I kind of don't want to go back there for a while. Like when I cut it off, there was this sense of relief because mm-hmm. it it almost reminded me of that. And I didn't want to be in that space again.
3: That's kind of how I feel about the Rangers in the World Series.
2: Oh, Lord.
3: It's true, though.
2: I know. I got you. I, I feel your pain. I just, I, I agree with, with something that Dan said about it. I,
3: I'm not, I'm. I'm, I can't be a fan like that anymore.
2: I know, but I... I don't I,
3: watch their games every day like I used to. I watch White Sox and Cubs. I don't watch the Cowboys all the time. I watch the Bears all the time. It's not the same. It's never going to be the same. You know what else isn't the same? My salary, thank God. So there's that. <laughs> and my shoulder, where I shot sports events for hours a day with a 30-pound camera every day.
2: You were the one-man band.
3: Was I more in shape? Sure. Were my arms also so big that sometimes I bought dresses that fit in the waist and not in the arms and they are too tight? Yes. But, um, you know, the adjustments, you know what I'm saying? Mm. But it's just, it's not the same in a good way. I'm a professional. Like I can't, I can't have the same feelings about something like that. But the cool part is like bringing your friends, Elvis Andrews bobblehead doll from her horrible ex-husband who is in jail. Ah. Uh, you know, into the studio because she was asking me which which sports remember Bailey of his she should sell and which she should keep. And then we bring it in as a good luck charm to try to get Elvis Andrews to sign with the White Sox and then he does. That's that's closure. As weird as that sounds, for me that's sports closure. It's uh yeah, I I'm never gonna feel that bad and that strongly about a team again.
2: I'm in a bad place when it comes to fandom right now. Obviously, when it comes to the Bears, like that ended, that died a long time ago. For right, me. that died when I started covering the team in 2003. So I don't have that, and I it, it it never came back. Like it, I'm happy when they win because of what it does for us.
3: Yeah, winning is. Contrary to popular belief, actually good for business.
2: It's great for business, and, and I love that. With the White Sox, though, I am at the crossroads. I am... I was talking with Tanny, we were in the hallway, and it was the... When we are recording, it's the anniversary of the White Sox winning the World Series. And he was like, I couldn't bring it upon myself to wear a Sox cap. So he's wearing a Farmio cap, which oh. is the better cap anyway. I... Every morning, I do yoga. I have a—in my townhouse, there's a loft, so I do yoga in the loft. Love that. Yeah. And I get to—like, it has a little patio outside and everything, and, you know, I get to kind of you know, open up the window and all this stuff, and when it's really nice, I just go out on the patio and do yoga. Yeah. But we're getting towards the end of that, and, you know I have to cover up my fur- outdoor furniture. But I have a bunch of boxes— And in the boxes, not boxes, little containers, canvas containers, and I have all my White Sox caps. And I don't think I wore one this season. And I think that I don't know if it's shame or anger or a combination of both. I'm like, I can't, I can't bring, I want to give my caps away. Because I'm so mad at the White Sox. I think.
3: Hold on to them.
2: I mean, they're great caps. People say get
3: rid of anything you haven't worn in a year. I say two. Two Two years? years. Just my two cents.
2: They're great caps.
3: The The Sox hat is iconic. Do you know that when I was a teenager, I thought to myself, what's a better sports city than Dallas? Because you always think it's your city, you know? Of course. And you know what answer I came up with? Chicago. Yep. Because they had Michael Jordan, two baseball teams, and a, obviously hockey team and a football team. And I was like, that's it. That's the only better place. And Oprah and Jerry Springer. Like, I thought this was in the 90s. You couldn't tell me that Chicago wasn't the center of the universe.
2: We used to, I mean, that building, the building that you work in every night, That was the Jerry Springer show was in that building.
3: I And that's that's the wild thing to me. And I think a lot of that is also the love that fans have for like, I wasn't as much of a gearhead until I moved here. Really? Yeah. Like the Rangers and the Astros just didn't have, Astros redid their uniforms when I first moved there. So that was really cool. That's when people started to really get into it. But the White Sox cap and how that became iconic and for the reasons, like I love that. That was, learning those things was really uh, a fun process for me. And it, it like, spoke to the, the love for Chicago and, like, why things were so much bigger here, I felt like.
2: I love my city so much, and I think about it, and I think about if I'm ever going to, like, leave it for an extended period of time. I admire people like you that left their home and built a life somewhere else. And I'm like, do I need to do that? Like, is that an experience that I need to have?
3: I know, and I had a friend just do that recently, and she, like, cited me as an example. And I was like, it's not as cool as you think it is.
2: Hmm. It seems really difficult.
3: It is very difficult. Like, everybody else can just drive to the suburbs to see their parents or something.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm one of those people.
3: Not everybody, but you know what I mean. Like, there's a lot, a lot of people who can. And I can't do that. I don't have my high school crew to hang out with like a lot of my friends do. I hang out with theirs. And sometimes, you know, it's like sometimes people just want to hang out with their families or, like, they're close, close-knit people that they've grown up with. And I didn't do that with anybody. So it's just a totally different. And then the other thing is, is that I'm also like, well, there's nothing keeping me here if I need to go. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always that side of it.
2: That if you wanted to leave, you could.
3: If I needed to, for me, like personally, it's a need. It's not a want.
2: If if you needed to go, if I by had to, water.
3: But see, or... I don't, and I don't think I've I've oddly never thought about that stuff.
2: Some people, it's like their thing. I know. Yeah, I'm like, like I'm weather like that doesn't
3: with... affect me as much as it affects other people. Like I'm not. I don't know why. I need to see
2: mountains every couple of months or I go crazy.
3: I didn't have the travel bug. That wasn't really a thing for me. So, like, yeah, I'm just kind of like, um, are there people I like? How do I feel at the end of every day? How are my relationships? Mm -hmm. You know? But I, I do feel more grounded when I see my family more often. I feel like more of myself. Like, sometimes you forget how much you miss certain people because you move so much. Yeah. So like, I don't, I don't, that part of it is not glamorous. That part of it is not fun. And like when people say, oh, that's why you're not married. Blah, blah, blah. I moved from Austin in the start of 2012 to San Diego, to Houston, to Philadelphia, to here by the end of 2015. Jeez. You want to tell me where my dating years went? Like, come on. And you know where my last good ones went? To a pandemic. Mm. So, like, I just, we play the hands we're dealt, man. And I don't know that I would deal myself the hand of moving if I didn't have to.
2: Do you think that...
3: I like it here. Let's not get that part twisted. No,
2: but, I mean, that. I think that comes across.
3: I don't know. I, I just want to get that straight. But I just don't know. Like, if I had family here, it would be a lot easier.
2: Do you think it's going to be harder for you now, just from a job perspective, to date?
3: Oh, yeah. Why? Because I work five nights a week until 11. And like those two free nights, I'm not spending 50% of my free time on somebody I don't know. That's a lot of free time to give to somebody I don't know if I like or not.
2: I kept thinking about the idea that... I mean I always wonder if you have to deal with I haven't had to deal with this in in my life working in sports, except for once there was one there was one date I went on a long time ago where this person was like trying to figure out if they knew more about sports than I did, and I thought it was weird once but, again, just go to the internet, but usually that's I feel like. That's less a female to male dynamic more so than it's it's more of a male to female dynamic, and I wonder if you deal with that:
3: No, because I don't go on many dates, and I think there's a lot of rumors about me that I didn't start that talk about like again people talking about my life more than I do. I think and I constantly get the oh, you're much skinnier in person than you are on TV thing, and that yeah
2: I mean, I got that though. There's something about the Channel 5 cameras, the way that they're rounded, because people have seen me when I was working there between 2011 and 2015, and they'd be like, you know, you look a lot smaller width-wise than you do on television.
3: I think it has to do with the size of the studio. You think so? Yeah. But that's just my personal opinion. But like either way, it's just I've heard it so much. It's just all discouraging to me.
2: Oh, I'm sure. And it hits different.
3: Yeah, I just I don't I don't know how many times. I got married at 25. Like I don't I don't know that I'm built for that. I've tried, but like it's exhausting emotionally. And and I just hear horror stories from so many of my friends about the guys and I've had my fair share of of issues where I just... It's like, what's the reward right now?
2: I just was trying to figure out if you were... On those days that you do go on, is there a competition because of what you do? And like we were talking about earlier, everyone thinks they can do it. So I wonder if that's an opportunity for some um, toxic masculinity to show up.
3: I get usually like people have an opinion of me and then when I'm not the exact person they think I am on the air it's uh it's like a letdown hmm
2: when you're just like being a person
3: right like I know how to talk about sports I've done that all my life there's a reason I'm good at that <laughs> That doesn't mean that's who I am as a person.
2: (laughs) Can we talk about shoot the puck? Yes. All right. For those of you who are like, wait, what are you guys talking about? Layla and I were out at brunch at Hub 51.
3: Just minding our own business. We were wanting to catch up.
2: By the way, those breakfast tacos, clutch.
3: The ones they redid recently? Yes. The new and improved breakfast tacos?
2: They are clutch.
3: I am, I will always go back to Hub 51. There's not a doubt about that. Had had
2: we been drinking, we weren't. Had we been drinking, I may have ordered another order of them.
3: Oh, hell yeah.
2: They were that good.
3: Were they breakfast nachos good?
2: No, but they're close. Were
3: they Hub 51 chicken nachos? Good.
2: The Hub 51 chicken nacho is my favorite food item in Chicago.
3: Dude, they're.
2: It's money in the bank.
3: Top notch.
2: Money in the bank. Um, Layla gets a text message and I'm looking at her face and she's just like the eyes got big. She's looking down at her phone. I'm like, oh, this looks like a tragedy of some sort that has happened and she's going to have to jet out of here. But you got the the text that you were going to get to shoot the puck, which is amazing.
3: The same day as the home opener for Connor Bedard. How cool is that? I'm like, what? What? And yeah, I've reported on hockey, and I know how to ask people about it, and I know what's decent and what's not, but that doesn't mean I know how to do it myself. I never shot a puck before in my life. So I was terrified and also had to go shopping because I was like, the outfit I was going to wear is not going to work Wait, for this. hold up, hold up. You went shop Like, after we, we yeah.
2: partied, you went shopping? Yes,
3: because the jeans that I wear that have holes in them are going to be pretty cold <laughs> on the ice. and Like, what are the pictures going to look like? And, you know, so I, I was like, oh, I got to rethink all of this. And, like, I had to wear black and red, so, like, that was all going through my mind.
2: And you already had a jersey with your name on it, right?
3: They gave me a jersey with my name on it.
2: I thought, you, but you already had it. Wasn't it already
3: in your closet? I had one, yes. No. Did they give you another one? Yeah. Dude. I have a 23. Dude. How great is that?
2: Get the Jordan number on the Blackhawks jersey. That's what
3: I got. Very exciting. And, uh, the great CM Punk was there with me to help shoot the puck, and I got to practice, and John Hansen, who I think is just a fabulous individual.
2: He's another one of those super smart people like you.
3: Oh, no. John is way smarter. John is, he's good at everything he does, and I got to work with him on the jam, where he was great. He does a great job with Gemma at the arena. I think they're fun and enjoyable, and he helped me out, too. And uh, one of my friends went with me, the one I was telling you about, the therapist. She's, she's awesome and a great friend. And uh, we all got to hang out and go to the ice and shoot the puck. And I got close. I got to the post. So I was pretty happy with that for having never shot a puck before. So, yeah, good times.
2: That sounds awesome. Could you Could you even hear the crowd? Or were you so, like, in your own space that it, you couldn't hear them murmur?
3: Not really. And also, this is going to kind of sound like snooty. But since I've done Bulls interviews on the court at the United Center, I was familiar with how that felt. And, like, the thing I know is you just have to focus on what you're doing. Because the second you start looking up at the crowd, like, then you're not focusing on the thing you're supposed to be doing. Unless your job is to address the crowd, which mine was not. So I had some fun and I enjoyed it. And I I knew I wasn't going to be, like, great it's not my lot in sports life is to be good at sports. You're so not a hockey player. I'm good at talking about sports and watching them and analyzing them, but I'm not good at playing them. So that's fine. So I, I was pretty happy with how it turned out. What Did did you share this at all with your family?
2: Like oh, pictures t- or no, videos? Or- I'll tell
3: them. Yeah, I, my, my discussion with my family, I got to text my brother, happy birthday, by the way. I did say it on the air again.
2: The one who created the satellite.
3: He didn't create the satellite. He was part of the creation team of the satellite.
2: Right, which means he created a satellite.
3: He's a genius.
2: Yeah, you, you, you are. You come from strong stock.
3: I we don't t- think people,
2: I don't think people know how smart you are, and it, it frustrates me.
3: Um, that's because I've got an electrical engineer brother, a doctor brother, a social worker sister, a cousin who's a world-renowned particle beam physicist and me
2: <laughs> you get to shoot the puck
3: yeah <laughs> so i'm like well i'm the only one out of like that generation without a graduate degree hmm. yeah there are reasons for my uh my accurate assessment of the relative intelligence in my family
2: yeah, it wouldn't take you much to get a if i have a graduate's degree you would have one easily
3: but still you know what i'm saying hmm so um yeah there's that yeah well my brother's like trying like in his spare time just randomly engineered a smart mirror <laughs> amazing just, like before the mirror came out he was yeah. like working on one but like obviously he didn't invent it like he had already seen something like it and was like hey i created the smart mirror i used some sensors and blah blah i was like what
2: <laughs>
3: that's incredible yeah so um I got to shoot the puck, and that was amazing. And then I followed it up with uh, sideline reporting for the Bulls at the United Center. So it's been a horrible week.
2: That that opening, I just loved it. I love the orchestral introductions. I thought that was, I don't know whose idea that was. I
3: think it might have been Zyda's.
2: But it was brilliant.
3: Zyda does a lot of the Bulls, like, events and the, the presentation and stuff like that. I don't know. I should ask her.
2: It was really, really, like, it... I felt something, and that's rare now for me to watch sports. And I was like, wow, this is breathtaking.
3: Common when he did the player intros at All-Star was also pretty great.
2: All-Star weekend was like the zenith of Chicago basketball post-Jordan.
3: All-Star weekend was the last great party.
2: It's true. I went from Super Bowl to... All Star Weekend, to spring training, to it all being over, and being in my house and growing my Frederick Douglass beard and hair.
3: My hair got longer and healthier because I wasn't curling it and styling it for TV every day.
2: How rough is that? And then
3: after getting COVID, I will say that my hair is not the same.
2: Laura Britt and I used to talk about this because she be like in the makeup my hair room. used
3: to be like twice as thick as it is now because of COVID. Yeah, yeah, easily.
2: How how rough is it for you to? Because I see you running here. You got your big old bag and stuff when you're doing both radio and TV. Yep. How rough is that to get ready for TV and then? Because look, clearly, like we stream. It's not TV though.
3: It's. I mean, you have to wear a lot of makeup. And even yesterday, I saw the intro at the United Center that I did the video, and I was like, oh yeah, I used to do my makeup differently for there because the lights. Yeah like I don't come off right in arena lighting. And like, I've got to ask, cause I think my photographer used to have a light and it's like, these things are not vanity pieces as much as they are, what is your eye drawn to as a viewer? And if it's not me expressing myself authentically, then it's not accurate. So it's like, that's part of it. So I'm like, I I, I'm like, I don't look like myself. I'm like, what's wrong here? And then I was like, oh yeah, it's arena lighting. And I was like, I used to do stuff differently. And I'm older. I mean, I'm four years older now, but yeah, it's just something that I've got to adjust to, but it's all stuff I have to think about. It's an hour, you know, it's an hour to do my hair, makeup, get ready for TV, all that.
2: Yeah. Laura Britt used to, I would see her sometimes cause I would just m- make it in early when we were working at stadium and I'm like, why are you here? And she's like, "Because of this, how do you think? I look like this when we go on the air.
3: Like, we don't wake up like that. And some people do, let's be honest. But, I, I mean, I don't mind running around the world without makeup on. I just don't. But, like, for TV, you're not going to look like yourself. Mm-hmm. It's hard to explain that. Like, the eye doesn't go to the same spot. Shadows are exaggerated. Like, you don't necessarily look the same.
2: What else should we cover before we break?
3: I don't know. I'm trying to think. I just...
2: I think we've talked about everything.
3: Yeah, I think we have, at least for this piece of things.
2: <laughs> I want you to, to do... I want you to, like, do a couple of pods for House of L. Whatever you want to do. Like, that's... Like, I don't even have to be in a room.
3: Actually, I was... I had some ideas I'm cooking on them, um, if, if those who want to participate want to participate, then we'll announce them. Okay. We we want volunteers, not hostages.
2: Damn straight.
3: So um, I'll have to bring that up. But I think, yeah, there's, for all the things that we do, I think there's even some things that I'm still not doing where this is a little bit more of a, a place where we can do them. Okay. Well, I, the,
2: the platform is available to you. If there's something that you want to do, you can just do it.
3: Well, I appreciate that. And everybody who, uh, I know that the last time we did this really resonated with people.
2: Um, a lot of folks like lost their opportunities. And I do think that it's good for us to pull them back behind the curtain on what it's like to do this for a living and
3: mm-hmm.
2: what how, kind of how we feel in certain situations.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And getting your perspective on this is key.
3: I didn't think that things were going to become that much better. And even when I started the score, I was worried about how it was going to be received. Mm -hmm. And we got that first ratings book and I had no idea. I mean, and like, that's the thing I always take away is like the support. And how people keep supporting
2: it's important that we raise those people up again let people it's I do appreciate the people i I went to go get tacos after strange enough after my workout yesterday um but I knew that was going to be my last meal of the day i I go over to Carbone over on uh, canal twenty sixth
3: I love the wicker spot
2: no oh you've been to the, that was what marshfield and augusta forget. something like yeah, that Yeah,
3: augusta definitely yeah
2: so i'm in i walk in there and this guy this guy frank just started talking to me like didn't introduce himself he pointed at me and he's like yo i've been waiting to talk to you and you know i'm I'm from Chicago.
3: That that could mean a lot of things.
2: <laughs> could, everywhere.
3: Everywhere that means a lot of things. You think in Philly it doesn't mean those things? I, I'm
2: saying, though, like, you know, I'm on the south side right now. I don't know where this guy may know me from, you know. And, You're like, okay. And then he's like, what do you think the Bulls are going to be like this year? And then we, we, we had this great conversation about the Bulls, and then we wanted to talk about Justin Fields and stuff. And then, then 20 minutes later or whatever, I'm like, I didn't catch your name. He's like, oh, I'm Frank. But that's what happens a lot. People, that's a good thing. Yeah. People think that they know us and, and that in return, we know them. Yes. And I'm like, Ugh. this happens way too much where people say, you know, nice to meet you. And I'm like, we haven't met. You didn't tell me your name. Yes. But shout out to Frank. That was a really good guy. He said he got a whole, him and three other dudes, like they go over there and they after work and they just kind of sit around in there and just have tacos and stuff.
3: I love that. Me too. We need more of that in life.
2: I agree with you. But it was cool. So we have to make sure that we lift the people up that care about what we do and think of us more than just two dimensionally.
3: And I think that's most people.
2: I agree with you.
3: And, like, our fun texters and people who always reply with fun stuff online. Like, mm-hmm. I, yeah, that's why I was, that's what I enjoyed about the space.
2: It's a good space. Uh, same Unlike MySpace. My, shit, MySpace my, might have to come back. Same time next year?
3: Right. We said that two and a half years ago. Um, Let's, You yeah. want to do three and three? No. Um, we'll figure <laughs> it out next time. We'll get to the, th- we'll, I mean. Maybe we need a Bears, you know, season end or one of these. I don't know. We'll have to figure it out. Or maybe we're at DEFCON 5 no, I, with the, uh, or no, DEFCON 1 with the whole Bulls thing. We don't know.
2: I think the, the checking in with each other after kind of what we went through is I, I think is a really strong thing.
3: Yeah, and, you know, I'm also reminded of the question I asked you when we were talking about the Cubs budget. And um, I was like, how bad off did they think they were? And somebody texted in. the pandemic happened and they freaked out and i'm like you know what perfectly suitable explanation
2: i think that after much reflection on the subject like when you brought it up and i was like an uh, economic situation and then i i really thought about it i thought you made a great case for it and i think that you're right i think that tom ricketts in in a if we were to have a drink with Tom Ricketts, he would probably tell us that he didn't know what was going to happen next, like any of us. Yeah. And he I know that in my personal life, I hoard it. like I know that that it was like, how much money am I bringing in? Can I cut expenses? Mm-hmm. Can I save, 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 save? So why shouldn't that be any different for a business?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I, I think that. That is a, a really interesting perspective on it.
3: Well, I mean, the texter brought it up and it was like "It's a perfectly reasonable thing to say. Yep.
2: Because we all feel like that.
3: Amen. So I don't know. If that's your explanation for life, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Nothing's been the same since.
2: Yeah, but hopefully, hopefully things will get better or we'll be able to adapt better to all of the changing stuff.
3: Yes, and if if my life is any example your life can change in ways you didn't think would happen for the good.
2: Yes. And that's the lesson. And that's it. We're done.
3: Yeah, cuz that podcast went like 45 minutes longer after you thought we were done.
2: <laughs>
3: it's true. Hey, so I got another No, I'm just kidding.
2: I'm kidding, if you do, you, I got time.
3: No, I do need it. I have to, you gotta go,
2: you got things to do.
3: Yeah, I wanted to work out today, but I think yeah. a nap might be more important. A
2: nap's a good call, and I mean, you should go and enjoy yourself with an actual night off.
3: Yes, my friend Cordy Cronin and I are getting dinner to catch up, and I've just she's, she's a rock star. Man, that's a great example. She's been such a great addition to this market. Her she's knowledge, a rock star. what she does, uh, I'm like. The Girl Gang Sports Reporter crew is strong, man. I'm
2: a big fan of hers. We had the chance to do some stuff together and we share a bond because of her relationship and my relationship with Jeff Dickerson.
3: Oh, yeah.
2: So she's just a really cool person and I think an, an, an exceptional reporter. I'm very, as someone who used to cover the Bears, I don't know if the Bears beat has ever been better than what it is right now.
3: Man, it is.
2: It's competitive and compelling. And there's so many characters on that beat.
3: Yeah. And when I got here, the Bulls beat was also super interesting. Yeah. The Bulls beat when I got here was Vinny Goodwill for us, NBC Sports Chicago, Nick Friedel, Casey, Joe Kelly.
2: That's pretty good.
3: <laughs> and Cody Westerlin and Sean Hyken were like my buddies. Like that's who I like hung out with a lot at like press rooms and stuff. I like
2: it. I think the baseball beats growing too.
3: Oh yeah, Megan Montemurro has been great, yeah. and I do. I love Julia Pope for the Bulls. I thought I thought she did a great job for the Tribune. Um, it's crazy to see how everybody's kind of come together. Marshall Harris, who I worked with and was friend, like close friends with in Philly, is here now at Channel Two.
2: I love Marshall.
3: Oh man, like the best was when I left Philly and like my they would all still hang out together, and I'm like FOMO, guys, FOMO. And it's great that he's here now, too.
2: Yeah, Marshall's a good egg, and I get to bother him about Mississippi State all the time.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah. We watched
2: an Alabama-Mississippi State game together.
3: Because Marshall's real South. Yeah, he is. Like, people say I'm from the South, and Marshall will always argue, because that's how the South sees it. Texas is different.
2: Yeah, Texas is Texas.
3: Right. That's what they say.
2: That's that's how I feel. Texas is not the South. Texas is Texas.
3: But to Philly, like, Texas is the South. Uh, But you know what I'm saying, like— it's just a matter of where you see it from. Yep. To yeah. me,
2: Texas is Texas. Yeah. Don't mess with Texas.
3: I, <laughs> I want to mess with some parts of it. You should mess with a lot of it. Yeah.
2: But you're of it and from it, so it's different.
3: I'm happy to be here.
2: We're happy that you're here. Go get a nap and go get dinner.
3: <laughs> Sleep and then eat. All of you. Anybody listening to this.
2: Do that. And it'll be
3: fine. And as as Jason Goss' sister says, Shayna, drink your water.
2: Drink your water and mind your business. These are these are rules to live by by Shayna Goss. She knows what
3: she's talking about.
2: Yes, she does. Thanks for this, Layla.
3: Thank you, Lawrence.
2: So thank you for listening to this episode. We truly appreciate it. I love it, too. And selfishly, as the person who is the CEO of House of L, Layla's episodes rate... <laughs> Every episode that she's done has been, I think that every episode that Layla has done outside of like our bear stuff that we do, because those rate pretty high too. Every episode that she's done has been a top 10 episode. Basically, the episode with Goff when Goff was fired at the score is the number one. Which is crazy because it was the second episode of House of L. The number two downloaded episode is Cheryl Scott when she was on, the, the, on House of L. And I think that was episode three. Shout out to Cheryl Scott. I haven't, I haven't had like an in-person conversation with her in a while. I need to remedy that. She's good people. And then I think three, four, and five are Layla's episodes. So we can add this one too, and share it. I really would appreciate if you dug this episode, share it. Like don't just like it if I put it up on Twitter. If you listen to it and you're like, "Man, this was the real," send it to someone who you think would appreciate it, tweet it out, put it on Facebook, all of that stuff. Like we're more than I love for I love for you guys to share. That's an easy way that you can help the podcast. And the podcast doing well. I'm not here, you know, hat in my hand. But if you want to help the podcast, like, bring more people to it. And episodes like this, I think, do that really, really well. And, uh, yeah, I actually revealed a little bit more than I was expecting to reveal. But Layla's, like, one of my peeps. Like, she's literally one of my best friends. I don't know if I've told her that. But it's true. Like, she's one of my best friends. so... Usually when we have conversations, like if we're not in front of microphones, basically you heard the type of conversations that we've had on the phone or in person. Hopefully you felt that. Hopefully you felt that friendship and us rooting for each other because we truly do root for each other. And it's cool to have someone like that in your corner. So if you like the episode, share it tell people where they can check it out, and all that good stuff. And that's that. There's still, I'm debating, wait, I'm going to stop the music. I'm debating whether or not I should do more Bulls content on House of L. And I I just feel like we're in the same boat. Maybe I'll do, I don't know, maybe we'll. I'll do more. If that's what you want. It seems like I could do a Bears pod every day if I wanted to. Give Hogan Johns a run for their money, yeah. But honestly, y'all, there is something coming out of Hallis Hall every single day. Maybe when things get, up, maybe if if we know that the Bulls are in contention for a playoff spot, or I don't know, we should do more, right? Right. I don't know. I'm debating it all. But I appreciate your support either way. I will talk to you next time. Peace.